And uh, 11 years ago, I was baptized in the campus ministry here at Long Beach City College. And uh, it's definitely, uh, it's good to be home. Uh, we live in El Segundo now, so kind of reminds me a little bit of LAX up here. I don't know if anyone else sees the resemblance. So I hope no one's offended by that. Um, we uh, just got back uh, earlier today from a marriage retreat here in the coastal L.A., and uh, it's so incredible uh, to be with uh, so many marriage couples from all different walks of life, all different ages, all different years of, you know, how long they've been married, uh, and it was so encouraging. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, going in there, I was like, all right, I know this is planned, I want to go for it, Let's, you know, go to the retreat, but you really don't realize how much you need something uh, from God until you're kind of there. And uh, hopefully that's your experience today. Perhaps you uh, didn't really, uh, were that ready to go to church. Maybe your heart wasn't that ready. But I hope being here uh, that you've already realized, you know what? I need this. I need God. I need the fellowship. And more than that, I am so grateful. I want to encourage all of you guys to just look around for just a second. What comes to mind when you see? What comes to mind as you look around? I know for me, uh, as I knew that this service was going to be happening uh, uh, here this, uh, this Sunday, uh, I thought about, wow, what a, what a unique opportunity. Uh, what an honor uh, to be able to just share a couple thoughts here from God's Word um, uh, you know, to the singles in the coast of L.A. and uh, to the campus ministry and to the teen ministry. And uh, I do want to say a special uh, shout out and we love you and we're so grateful for you for all the single parents that are here. Uh, we are... Uh, just want to say, uh, so proud of you uh, and your faith and your perseverance. I come from a single parent household where my mom worked uh, long hours and really protected me from so many things. And uh, I know you single parents are, are doing the same and more uh, because you've also uh, decided to make Jesus Lord. Amen. And so we just want to encourage you and let you know you uh, we appreciate everything that you do. Please turn your Bibles to. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. You know, uh, I wanted to say that this is kind of the youth of the coastal L.A., but I thought of a better phrase. Not that you're not young. Uh, But I believe that this is uh, the next generation of leadership. In the coastal LA. Like that. And I believe as you look around, you see you are the next generation. And the title of today here to this next generation is Rise. But Rise, if my clicker works, to sacrifice. Rise to sacrifice. You know, if you look through history, there's been every, almost every generation has tried to discredit or destroy God's Word and God's plan. But God in each and every generation has set apart a remnant, a group of people that would be devoted to Him, that would be countercultural, and would take a stand in the Scriptures and move forward. And for you and I, we're so grateful hopefully, especially after tonight, um, for all the leadership, all the disciples that have gone ahead of us 
Uh, there are a little older in the faith that have sacrificed so that we could be part of a church like this. Amen? I was met by Matt Hunt, who's here. Is Matt here? I saw him earlier. There's Matt Hunt. Matt Hunt met me at Long Beach City College. So grateful. I was just walking to the bus trying to get home, finding my quarters in my pocket, and he reached out to me and invited me to church. I was already looking for God. And when he sat down with me, he didn't teach me a religion. He didn't teach me about the church. He taught me about God's Word. And not just God's Word, but how to apply it and how to obey it. And later on, how to teach it to others. But you know what? Matt Hunt did plant the ministry at Long Beach City College. Someone else did. I don't think none of us planted the church here in Long Beach or the coastal LA or the former West or the former South. Perhaps you did, but all of us are kind of reaping the benefit of that sacrifice. So what's our generation going to do? How will the church, what will the church look like 40 years from now? I don't know about you, but I think about these things. Part of it is, just two months ago, I turned 30 years old. And it was a little weird turning 30. You know, kind of when you grow up in the hood a little bit, you don't see yourself in the 30, living in the 30s. So I didn't really think about it too much. But just being 30, you got to kind of meditate a little bit. And there's a part of me, maybe you're the same when you, you know, when your birthday comes, where you feel a little discouraged. You just feel like... Have I done enough with my life? And then a list of things comes to mind, came to mind, that I just quickly started to regret. One of them, how long it took to get out of school. Just like, ah. You know, just and real quickly started filling up with this worldly sorrow. And then I thought about, man, I've been a Christian for 11 years. Have I really given my best? It just kind of went in that kind of self-pity route, kind of a victim mentality. And you know, amen for God, because God starts to bring up different things that I've seen and been able to be a part of. But more than that, just read the Scriptures and say, you know what, amen for the past, but what's ahead? And, uh, you know, my wife uh, is pregnant with our second child, and... And so uh, Ezra is going to be a big brother... Uh, he uh, and uh, we found out uh, we're gonna have a second boy, and so just so you know, his name will not be Nehemiah. That you know, the st- the staff tried to convince me. And we're like, no, no. Um, but then that led to, man, what kind of church are my sons going to be a part of? What kind of evangelists are they going to have? What kind of conviction, what kind of teen leaders, what kind of family dynamic are they going to have? And I want to just encourage us today to think that way because this lesson tonight takes place 40 years from now. Amen? You know, this past Tuesday was election day, right? And uh, many of us very wisely took it to Facebook to have political discussions of faith. Pretty wise right there, right? Um, but there was so much talk. And one of the main talks that was going on is what we are receiving as an inheritance, right? Politically speaking, that there's a national debt. 
because of those that have gone ahead of us have maybe made some compromises or some big ones. And not just we're going to struggle for that with that, but even our kids, the future generations, are going to struggle with that. And not, I don't want to really get into that, but when you think about what kind of a spiritual sacrifice we've received from the Bruce Williams, from the Bears, from you know all these different couples that we've heard preached, have heard taught, or have heard about, and the sacrifice that they have had in their lives. And how we've benefited from that. And I thought about, wow, when you look at the political inheritance compared to the spiritual inheritance, man, we should be one of the most grateful churches throughout the world, especially here in L.A. You know, one of the things that I summed up that we are receiving as an inheritance, and we have already received, is that the Bible is the standard for our lives. No compromise there. They were persecuted for that, were they not? And when you look at our history as a church, you know, sometimes we can be a little critical towards our history as a church. But the reality is we should be grateful because they were disciplined and all of that, but they persevered. Another, you know, a world evangelism plan, a commitment that we have brothers and sisters all throughout the world. Raise your hand if you visited a church in another country. Isn't that encouraging? You know, the examples of faith, life, and love. That I came into the church and I was expected and taught to love one another. Where in the church, race didn't matter. Social status didn't matter. And it's not what like they came up with it. God, of course, in His Scripture came up with it, but they chose to sacrifice of their selves to put God first. So for us, what are we going to leave behind for the next generation? What are we going to do with the church that we've inherited? There's a high chance we can ruin it. But I believe that there's even a better chance that we can take the church to greater heights of impact in our community and in the world. Another, you know, we've inherited humility through different challenges or different things, different practices within the church, that there was, at the end of the day, a humility and a repentance for most. And those that didn't have chosen other routes. But aren't you grateful that our leadership historically has been humble to changes. And more importantly, above all, that we were taught Jesus is Lord. I don't know when's the last time you went to a baptism, but still, when those three words are said, regardless of how you feel that day, you're like, Perhaps your fantasy football just got trashed that day. And you're sort of like, God, Jesus is Lord, that's right. <laughs> what am I thinking? Oh, and maybe if you're more in tune, you, you just shout, Jesus is Lord, yes! You have no idea who the person is, but you're fired up for them! Right? There's so much sacrifice that have gone on. And a lot of you that have sacrificed are here. 
And on behalf of the teen ministry and the singles ministry and the campus ministry, we just want to thank you for your sacrifice. And we're hoping to take what you've given to us to greater heights and pass it on to the next generation. Amen? You know, we've inherited hope worldwide. How many of you guys have served for any kind of project for hope, whether locally or globally? You probably have. You just don't even realize it was hope. I think all of us have. If you've been part of the church for more than six months, you, you probably have. So next time it's us, you know, raise your hand right there. But you know that Hope Worldwide was founded uh, in response to the scriptures, right, about loving the lost. That it began in 1991 with three small local programs. Today, Hope Worldwide operates on every inhabited continent, serving more than two million people every year. I don't know if any of us in this room have planted or started a project in one of these continents, but we've inherited this conviction also of loving and serving the poor. And I mentioned earlier, almost every generation has tried to discredit or destroy the Bible. Hey, it's happening now in this generation also. But if you're here as a Christian, if you're here as someone that wants to be a Christian, you are so special to God. When you think about the number of people that are reached out to on a weekly basis, that are invited to church, and the number of people that actually are open to coming to church, and the actual people that actually come to church, and the actual people that actually study the Bible and find out what it really means to be a Christian according to Jesus, and the number of people that persevere through those studies, and the number of people that have the faith to confess Jesus is Lord. We started out here. We end up with very few. Which shows you, it should show you how special you are to God. That He fought for you and is fighting for you. And what are we going to do in our generation? Here in our lifetime? What are we going to do here in our communities? In our schools? In our jobs? In our small groups? In coastal L.A.? What are we going to do for God? What are we going to leave behind? We've received such a rich inheritance. I hope we don't waste it. I hope we don't miss it. Amen? Many of us went to San Antonio, right? The World Discipleship Summit. And I'm thinking about, man, what are we going to do as a generation? If you look at that picture, I already look worried and a little scared. But we received all that. But what about the next generations? What are we going to do for God? Let's look here in Matthew 22. We'll start in verse 15. And what you're going to see here, and, and, and the, the Scriptures that we're going to read, you're going to see that people rise to try and compromise God's Word. People rise to try and nullify, water down God's Word. People rose and came to Jesus to try and disprove Him. But over and over and over again, Jesus made things very clear. 
for you and I. And my fear, personally, for myself and for us, is that we would be Christians that will just kind of be in the stands and not on the field. My fear is that we will not have the idealistic spirit that the brothers and sisters that planted all these churches worldwide once had. That we would go from idealistic to idealism or idolism. It's a made-up word. But that we would be more idle in our faith. We have better sources of communication than they did. We have the experience of them still alive and active in the faith. We can do so much, especially if we rise to sacrifice. Amen? In verse 15, the Pharisees went out, they rose, and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent out their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Great insights about who Jesus was. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Have we not expressed our political opinion a lot this week? And I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying we have. We have opinions. And we express them in different discussions. And I don't want to get all into that and what's right and wrong. We just have had those discussions. And so they brought those kind of discussions, those kind of problems, dilemmas to Jesus. So what do you think, you know, since you're talking about this kingdom and and all these things, uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar? He teaches a different doctrine. What are you going to do? This is a good plan to trap Jesus. But it's Jesus. Verse 18. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used to pay tax. They brought him a denarius. He asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? And give to God what is God's. That was a long walk home. Right? That was a long walk home. They wanted to trap Jesus. And I think for us, we've got to be careful that we're not trapped in certain arguments or that we're not trapped in investing our lives more somewhere else, school, career, relationships, above God. If we're going to rise to sacrifice, if we're going to give God more glory than generations before, not because we're competing, because we're grateful and are better fit now because of what they've been, we've received as an inheritance to take it forward, that we need to give God what is God's. Well, what is God's? Our life. Our bodies. Our minds. Our hearts. Our schedule. Our finances. It's God's. 
And it's our choice whether we're going to give it to God or not. Most of us know, or maybe you've experienced, but you've recovered because you're here. But most of us know of different people who have chosen career over God. What was the outcome? Chosen a relationship over God. What was the outcome? Chosen academics, money over God. What was the outcome? We've got to give God's what is God's. And if we rise to sacrifice, if we as a church, as individuals, we as ministries, we give God what is God's, what will the church be like in 2052? A little side note, maybe not a side note, but how old will you be in 2052? You guys are doing the math. It's 40 years. You don't have to go to your phone to figure out the calculator there. 40 years from now, what will the church be like? What will the church be teaching and living? Will there be church plantings? How will the teen ministry or the singles ministry be like and look like? How will the campus and teen ministries be like? Again, I don't know if we naturally think about these things, but tonight we are. We've received such a great inheritance. If we continue, let's continue to give God what is God's so that these ministries and these great things will continue to happen. Amen? We've got to rise to sacrifice. Give God what is God's. The next thing we need to do, verse 23, the same day. That was a tough day, right? Sometimes we have a tough day and we just after three challenges, we're like, we're done. Rough day. Jesus had many rough days, but he was never done. He didn't give up. That same day, the Sadducees, who said there is no resurrection, came to him with this question. Teacher, they said, and they go on trying to trick Jesus about marriage and the afterlife and different things like that. Verse 29 says, Jesus replied, You are in error because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. Long walk home. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given into marriage. There will be, they will be like the angels in heaven. That We're going to be like the angels in heaven. And then God goes on, Jesus goes on to say that you know, He's the God of the living. In verse 33, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at His teaching. You know, we've got to make sure that we continue to inherit, to, to live out what we've inherited, which is to be great students of God's Word. Because one of the challenges with the, our generation here is that we can become biblically illiterate. Some of us are here, not even following along in the Scriptures. Some of us perhaps have not had times with God on our own in a long time. And I want to say, for the campus ministry especially, to be careful. Because my experience in the campus ministry was awesome, but one of the things that I struggled with was to have my own personal time with God. And you know why? Because I kind of didn't need it. Why? Because 
You come to church on Sunday and afterwards you have fellowship, right? And Monday there's a campus ministry with quiet time. And then you go out and evangelize and you study the Bible with people. And then after the Bible study, you hang out with disciples and you share scriptures. And then you have a deep time. And then Tuesday night you have a small group meeting and things like that. And you have midweek. And then Thursday there's another evangelistic Bible talk. And then there's Friday devotional. Saturday morning we go out and serve the poor. Night we go on dates. And the Sunday morning we have a meeting before church. And church then we have... You know what I'm saying? And all those things, and all those things are awesome. And if you're in the campus ministry, man, God is training you. I hope you don't miss that. I hope you're committed that you're giving God what is God. But for me, as I, I rode that roller coaster and I loved it, learned so much, grateful. Thankful God reached out to me at age 18. But what I was not doing, I was, I didn't really feel a need for God every day because it was there. It's the same for the teen ministry. Teen leaders, parents, devotional, TBT, you just kind of... And so what's the problem? We may continue to live this way, not knowing the Scriptures. Perhaps you grow up in a religious home, going to church all the time, but most likely what happened in all those great things, you missed out on really knowing what the Bible says. And you're in your 20s and you realize, man, I I was never taught this. How ironic that you grew up in such a faith-based home, but you don't know what Jesus taught about what it means to be a disciple. But I think for us, we've got to be careful that we continue to be great students of God's Word. Amen? Amen? Amen for worship. We need that. But nothing, nothing can replace God's Word. And these guys had strong opinions. And Jesus said, you're in error. You don't even know the Scriptures. And when you don't know the Scriptures, you don't know the power of God. We've got to know the power of God. How? You know it mainly through the Scriptures. Because you see great things happen and you don't realize that was written about. You miss out. You've got to know the Scriptures. Verse 34, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Busy day, right? Just challenged two people and here comes another group. Our turn. Let's come up with a better one. Again, every generation wants to discredit or disprove the Bible. If we continue to be great students of God's Word, we're going to continue to prove the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead. We're going to continue to help those who who, who doubt or who don't know or have not heard or misunderstood what the Bible really says about repentance, about baptism, about committing to one another, about God's plan for marriage, for parenting, all of that. We've received all that. We hear these messages. But are you holding it in your heart? And are you going to continue to pass it on? Verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law. You've got to send the most qualified, right? <laughs> Tested him with his question. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And I'm sure he's like, this is a good one. Which is the greatest commandment of the law? He looked back at the guys like. <laughs> probably stare down the side as he's like. I don't know. It was kind of a prideful guy. Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I hope that's not just a song we sing, but a life that we live. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Will we love God above everything else? If our age group loves God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, Imagine what God will do through us, with us, in us. God wants to bless. God wants to give. God has sacrificed everything so that we can receive everything. And in turn, in that gratitude, we would continue to sacrifice everything to give to others Everything. One of my concerns for me and for you is that I can feel really busy. And that often, every week, there's not a time with helping someone become a Christian. Now, I'm busy within the church doing a lot of great things, but sometimes I'm not deliberately seeking to help someone become a Christian. Because I'm so consumed with me, my challenges, my schedule. Me, 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 me. Not that I should neglect my life. That would be wrong and immature. But the mature thing to is to continue to love God. And when you look at these, God, give God what is God's. Know the Scriptures and the power of God. Love the Lord your God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. What do they require? They require sacrifice. To put me in the back seat. To continue to make Jesus Lord. With joy. With pleasure. Sometimes kind of grumbling a little bit. Only for Jesus. My back's hurting. Why? Just the cross I'm carrying, man. I've had those prideful thoughts and wanted to say and actually said it to someone. I was like, that was really prideful. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, I don't know if anyone of us feel the burden, the pressure to take the gospel to another country. Yeah. I don't think we wrestle with that. Someone did that just a few years ago. Many of them did. The pressure to we have nothing for the poor. What are we going to offer the poor? We've dedicated our lives now to serving the poor. That two million people annually all over the world are being served. I don't think none of us have been put that pressure from the Spirit. We've got to be careful that we just don't become, you know, dull and in the audience. Good sermon. 
Bad sermon. Maybe next Sunday. Keep growing, bro. Or, what are we doing Friday? What are we doing? Can you be in the Bible? Who said in the Bible? We just got to be careful that we don't go there. Amen? And I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just putting scenarios. They're all probably me anyway. But we got to rise to sacrifice. And it's a personal decision. Even if you're just studying the Bible and you're here with us tonight, hey, rise to sacrifice. And you can start by waking up early and reading the Bible and praying. And getting together for a Bible study. How can our righteousness in this age group, our humility, our love and faith, commitment and sacrifice impact the next generation? Think about it. Dream about it. Pray about it. That right now, more people are alive than any other generation. What does that mean to Jesus? Do you think about that? That Jesus right now has the most lost children He's ever had at once. How does He feel about it? What's the look in His face? What's His passion? He wants to go for it and impact these lost children to bring them back, to let them know the challenge is always us. The church Are we still willing? Are we going to be willing, church, in our age group, in our generation, to keep going for God? To keep sacrificing for God? we got to rise to sacrifice. Let's close it up. We proclaim Him astonishing and admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is Paul. What was a burden in a good way, a good, righteous, healthy, godly burden? He felt the pressure to teach everyone about Jesus. And I think some of us in our group, in our country, we can just lose track of that in our lives, in our schedules. And we sometimes don't feel that healthy pressure. Have you ever had an experience where you're driving in the car and you just kind of realize like, I mean, we always have the experience, there's a lot of cars everywhere. But you ever feel like you take it to the next level a little bit, you're like, man, there's so many people that still don't know Maybe you're at a concert or at a sports event and you look at all the crowds and they don't know. You walk into work, school, classroom. They don't know. Let's have that heart. Let's have this dream. That's what was in my heart to share with you tonight. Join me to think about the next 40 years. I'll be 70 years old. There's a high chance I may not even be physically here. 
Mexican blood <laughs> statistics pressure. But what will the church be like? As I think about my past 30 years, what I see, the theme in my life is God fought for me. And what I want to make deliberately, my plan for the next 30, 40 years till I die, is I want to fight for God. Let's labor, church. Let's dream. Let's rise to sacrifice. Amen? And as you start dreaming, think about this passage. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generation, forever and ever. Amen. Let's rise to sacrifice. Thank you.